So, for those of you that have been here you, for the last couple of weeks, you know we've been talking uh, and doing a series called Arm Yourselves. And we've been talking a lot about getting strong in our faith and how not being strong in the Word of God and in our faith can result in consequences, can result in things that happen uh, that get a hold of us or that beat us down simply because we, we lack the, the truth in us or the faith that we've not established in us according to God's Word to really be able to deal with and combat and handle those kind of things. And so today, to close out our series, we're going to be talking about the armor of God. And I'm really excited to, to share some things on this. So, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep all that on. This is Marcus's armor, and, you know, he's like twice the size that I am, so everything's kind of shifting around on me. But uh, let me do this. Let me recap really quick the first two weeks, because I think if you're here for the first time, it at least uh, is beneficial to get a little bit of a foundation first of what we've talked about leading into today. Certainly get a hold of the CDs. If you haven't listened to those messages, we have those in the back. You can see Lisa at the welcome table afterwards, or you can listen to those services on our website anytime through the week. Go to uh, the media tab on lifechurch-stl.com. So basically in the first week, what we talked about is how what you don't know can hurt you. How literally a lack of truth in you of what God says in his word, of the promises that we have whenever we face trials and tribulations. If we don't know and we don't have truth in us when we're dealing with battles that we're coming into contact with, then we don't have anything to really stand on. And those things that come against us from the enemy, they're going to knock us around and they're going to have effects on us that are going to keep us from really moving forward past those things and continuing on in a place of victory like God intends for us to do. So what we don't know can hurt us. And the real passion there was to say, look, as a people, as a follower of God, we've got to dig deep. We've got to take personal responsibility for saying, I'm going to study this word. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to let him reveal truth to me so that when he does, there's something imparted on the inside of me that builds my faith, that I can stand on something of substance to face the battles that I'm going to come into contact with. And then in the second week, last week, we talked about what really is strength, right? Because it's, it's kind of something I think we need to challenge ourselves with, even today as a culture, is what does a strong person really look like? And a lot of times what you find is culture's definition of strength, or a lot of things for that matter, is very different than what God's definition is, right? And we use the example of David and Goliath and how that's one of the most iconic stories ever in the Bible, really ever in history, that we as a, as a people as a, in the world know about. And one of the biggest things that that did is it totally defied what culture's definition of strength was. Goliath, the giant in armor, fully trained. The, the Philistines were one of the greatest threatening enemies of the land, right? He represented what culture would say that is the epitome of strength. And here comes David, this little bitty shepherd boy who never probably even wielded a sword before, couldn't even fit into the armor, I kind of understand that today a little bit, right? He couldn't even fit into Saul's armor. And so he goes out there, he th flings a stone, but he wasn't the slightest bit afraid, and he was fully strong in his faith, and he slayed the giant Goliath. And all of a sudden, what culture thought was strength got flipped upside down on its end. And so um, we talked about last week, let's challenge ourselves. What do we really think strong is? Is it somebody that, you know, I can just, I can really hold a straight face, I can get through things, I can be, you know, I can 
deal with it? Or is it somebody that's just totally abandoned to God, understanding their desperation for Him and their need for Him because He really is strength, fullness of strength, and He puts His strength in us, and that makes us strong for the battles. But it's in our weakness that we actually become strong. Right? So those were the first two weeks, and now we're going to get in today. We're going to talk from Ephesians chapter 6 about the armor of God, because when it comes to getting strong and being fully equipped to do battle in the things that life's going to throw our way, Paul gives us a great picture of what that looks like in Ephesians when he talks about putting on the whole armor of God so that we can be prepared for the battles that come our way. Are you ready today? Say, I'm ready. All right, Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10, we're going to read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts and wickedness, in the heavenly places. Sorry, I need my water. I'm already dried up. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may be open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So there are six pieces of armor that Paul specifically, intentionally, goes out of his way to describe in the process of, of teaching us how when we face things in life that are spiritual, that it, there is a battle going on that is beyond just the physical realm. That there are things that are going to come at us because there's an enemy out there. His name is Satan, and his agenda is to kill and destroy. And his plan is to do whatever he can to take you out to keep you, people from going to heaven and to keep people from fulfilling God's plan for their lives. And that is done on a spiritual front, not a physical front. You can be as strong as you want physically, have all the things that you want physically to, to make you ready for different things, but they will serve no benefit and no purpose when you come in contact in a spiritual battle where spiritual armor and weaponry is needed for you to stand your ground and to resist what the enemy is trying to do in your life to take you out and to move forward in victory because God already gave it to you, but you've got to do battle and you've got to dig in and you've got to fight for what's yours, which is your purpose and your destiny. And a couple of things that I look at, first of all, is Paul says, you got to put on the whole armor of God. In fact, he says that twice before he gets into describing what the armor really is. He says, you got to put it all on, not pieces of it, not some of it. If you're going to be a soldier ready for battle, you've got to be wearing the full set of armor that God has given you. But you notice he says that he says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
So we've got to grasp that when we put on this armor, when we arm ourselves with these spiritual weapons, it's not like we deserve it or we're doing some great work and studying and making sure that, you know, we're really ready. It's, it's God giving it to us by his grace, paid for by the blood of Jesus so that we could have it. But that when we receive that, we are a full, whole, armed soldier ready for anything, not some things, anything and everything that the enemy can throw our way because the Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So there's nothing of that enemy's tactics, nothing that can prevail against the God that lives in you if that God's power and promises come out of you when you're in those battles. Amen? Amen. So Paul emphasizes to put on all of the articles of this. Now, I want to say as we, as we dive into the armor of God that... You could look at this and it could become almost for some people like this is just some vast, deep study that, my gosh, you know, it just you couldn't even begin to get into all of the depths of what all this stuff means. Right. And, and, and you could take that and it could almost be overwhelming. But let me say this, because I, I personally that's been something that I've sort of struggled with, like. It can't be that simple. There's got to be so much to this, you know, because there's six pieces of equipment. It's the whole armor, and there's so much going on. And I think there is a lot of rich, deep truth that we have to study. But listen, Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit whenever he spoke these words when he wrote this letter. Just like in any other time when Scripture is written in the Bible, right? It says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. So God specifically, it's good to remind ourselves of this, he specifically went out of his way to describe the way we would do battle with the enemy in a way that relates to physical armor so that it's something that we could just relate to and grab a hold of. And I would say, listen, it really can actually be that simple. Like we really can look at this and just get some basic truths from what these pieces of armor really do in battle. And it can really equip us and build our faith so that we don't have to be some Bible scholar or theologian to be armed and ready for battle when we walk out of here today. In fact, you could be here for the first time and you could walk out of here a fully armed soldier if you just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart and minister to you about the truth that God reveals to us in his word here. So Let's talk about the belt of truth first. All right? Here's the belt. So when soldiers did battle, they wore tunics. And, uh, and they had some you know, different clothing. And what the belt did was it basically cinched everything together and kind of wrapped it all in tight so that the soldier could, could move freely and he could swing his sword, he could lift his shield, he could do all the things that he needed to do because he wasn't being interfered with or obstructed by the movement of all of these other things, right? So it kind of cinched it in. And so what's, what I think is important to grab a hold of here is when it comes to truth, truth according to the Word of God, it's important that we realize we can't just point at it we can't just look at it. We actually have to put the thing on. We have to have it in us, holding us secure, so that when we go out and we're facing the things that life's going to throw our way, we've got truth holding us tightly, holding us secure, that we can, we can move in and we're not obstructed by uh, some of the things that maybe come into our minds or the thoughts that the enemy wants to throw at us about what's really happening here, that we really have truth uh, holding us in and keeping us secure. And sometimes, you know, people, they get a hold of the, of the, another thing about the belt is it held the sword. 
Like the sword was in the belt. So the sword is the word of God, right? Sometimes people can have the word of God and just be just like be throwing that out there or saying things to other people. And it almost gets like reckless because they're not tightened up with truth, you know? It's like, well, if, if you had, yeah, what you're saying is true, but there's some truth there that's lacking. So it's, it's not effective there. What you're doing, it's not penetrating. It's not making the difference that it's supposed to make, right? So we've got to say, look, truth is something we have to have wrapped around us tightly, not something we look at, but that we personally let secure us and anchor us whenever we're ready for battle. And if you don't have that, the clothes are just flying around freely, things are falling down, and you can have a sword and a shield and everything else, but you might not be ready to get up and do anything, right? Because you can't even hardly move around properly. Has anybody ever, like, probably guys, not as much ladies, but you go out to work or you go out and, you know, you forgot your belt? You ever had that happen? You have JJ? Benched? All right, right on. It's not a pretty thing, right? You forget your belt, and you're like, man, this is going to mess with me all day. Like anytime I move, just constantly doing this, you know? I mean, I've rigged up, I've, I've taken string and wire and different things and rigged up a little contraption to tighten that thing up because it messes you up all day long. And if truth isn't wrapped around you in every part of your life when you're going into it, it's going to be kind of like that. You're just sort of like thrown off a little bit. Things just aren't quite the way that they need to be. The next thing is the sandals of the gospel of peace. Now, we didn't have those, actually, so I've got my boots here, right? But in the, in the times of uh, the soldiers here, the sandals that they wore actually had spikes on the bottom of them, like cleats, metal cleats. And what they allowed the soldier to do is dig in and have his footing properly. Because if he slipped, then he was obviously vulnerable to get hit by an attack from the enemy. And, and look, just like we face the enemy on a lot of different fronts in our life, in your family, in your career, in your relationships, you name it. Soldiers did battle on mountainsides, on fields, rocky soil, you know, all kinds of different types of terrain. They had to be able to maintain their footing. So the sandals were like the, the first, you know, thing that needed to be able to give them their positioning so that everything else they could do would be effective. If they lost their footing, they were going to be in trouble no matter what else was going on, right? And the thing that we have to really grasp in this is the, the peace of God that we walk in, the, the peace that God brings to us as he lives on the inside of us is, is something that we have to have no matter what's going on, no matter what place we're in in our lives. For example, you're going to go through times and seasons that's like chaotic, crazy, busy, like so much is happening, you don't, you don't even know what day it is, right? I mean, it's just crazy busy. And you've got to have peace for that. You've got to be at peace. Otherwise, you're like an emotional wreck. You're all over the place, right? Peace keeps our sanity during times like that. But you're going to go through seasons in your life where it's like delay, like nothing's happening. I'm ready to move on. I wish something would occur. And now the challenge is, is not so much that it's chaos. It's that man, I could be restless and I could just force something that's not supposed to be God's will and I'm just, you know, I'm not, I'm not content right now. And it's peace during all of, those are the two extremes, you know, you could fill the middle in with a lot of different scenarios, but the peace is what allows us to move through those things and just maintain our sanity and just be like, you know what, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, you hear people say like, I just have a peace about things. 
right? It's, it's when the storm is raging on the outside, but you're perfectly calm on the inside. It's well with your soul. And let me say this, you're going to face storms, violent opposition in times where you're going to have to speak peace into that environment and into that place. And let me tell you that you can't give what you yourself don't already have. And Jesus spoke to the storm when he was in the boat and said, peace, be still. And it stopped. But he was already at peace when they woke him up. He was sleeping, right? And so you're going to come into storms in your life, whether chaotic or delayed or whatever you want to say, where you're just going to have to walk through that thing with a peace about you, knowing that God is for you. And, and, and the, the good news of Jesus is like, no matter what else is going on, I've got this. So it's really just pales in comparison. There's nothing out there that's that bad that if I've got this peace, I'm not going to be able to get through because I've got this good news of Jesus and what he's done for me. Right. And peace is just I don't know what I would do, have done in times in my life if I wouldn't have been able to just walk through that with the peace of God. Things happening around me that honestly could just emotionally throw me into all kinds of a mess. Right. And people can get into that. They get into like, you know, just become like a hot mess. I heard that word not long ago, and I like that phrase, and I decided to start using it. I think it's an older phrase, but I'm bringing it back, right? So just look at the person next to you and say, without God, I'm just a hot mess. <laughs> but, you know, you just get, you got to have that peace, man. Funny story, we were at dinner the other night, and all the kids... They're just going crazy, right? And they're just, the volume is just like increasing and increasing and trying to eat dinner. And it's just like, they're all trying to talk above each other. And, ah, you know, you just stop. Stop, okay? We just want peace and quiet. Peace, peace, peace and quiet. So everybody was quiet. It's like, oh, this is great. And I turn around, I like go to fill my drink. And all of a sudden, Peace and quiet, peace and quiet, peace and quiet. And they're just screaming, every one of them. And I'm like, oh, it's hopeless. <laughs> I was really challenged in that. But that peace, you know, the reason that, the, that Paul talks about that being the sandals of the gospel of peace is because it's, it gives you your footing. You can stand firm. It doesn't matter what's coming at you or what it is that you're moving forward in. It's like that peace just allows you inside to be able to just rest and go through and not let emotions and all that other stuff interfere with what God's trying to speak to you and he's trying to lead you in. And let me say that the voice of God is so clear when you have peace. A lot of people say, well, how do you hear God? You know, how does God... Look, I, I mean, the best thing I can tell you is I just... Peace, you know, peace on the inside allows me to hear that still small voice. And I don't want to miss that, you know, and God's leading in times. And I, so I know that I've just got to have peace on the inside of me. And I get that because it's like, Jesus, man, nothing else is that bad. I got Jesus, you know, and he did this for me. And this is great news, the gospel, good news, right? The breastplate of righteousness. So I got my armor on underneath here and... This is kind of funny because when I, Marcus dropped all this stuff off to me on Thursday over at the office, he said, uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to give you all this stuff, but like, 
I don't really want to give you my, my bulletproof vest because I need that for the next couple of days. I'm like, yeah, you better take that. You better take that. I hope this isn't somebody else's that's, yeah. Yeah. So the breastplate of righteousness. And look, okay, righteousness basically means two things when you study that in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Number one, it means to be in right standing with God, meaning we are made right before God, justified when we receive Jesus' sacrifice and the blood that he spilled. And there's nothing else that can give us that. It's simply Jesus' sacrifice when we receive that that makes us righteous or we are worthy to stand before God because we've been redeemed. Right, And that the, the breastplate protected all of the vital organs in someone's body, their heart, you know, a, a blow to any of those areas would have been lethal. And so when we understand that we have righteousness, we first understand that we spiritually are not, never going to die. <laughs> like we're going to live eternally in heaven with God for all of time. And that does something. It's like... I know the end of the story, man. You know, I, I, okay, that's bad, that's bad. Yeah, I got to deal with that. But I, I know the end of the story. And I've got eternal life. And God is for me. And he died for me. So why wouldn't you do all these other great things for me to help me through this, right? There's something about that, that righteousness that just, it's like we know that. You know, you ever watch a movie that you've seen a bunch of times and you think that, like, the good guy's going to die, but you know at the end he doesn't die and he ends up winning or whatever? Well, when you watch it over and over again, you don't go through quite as many of the emotions like, oh, no, it's going to, is he going to make it? You know, you know the end of the story. To me, it's kind of like this. Whenever I'm going through things with the enemy, I already know the end of the story. God won. He wins. I go to heaven, you know. I'm going to stand hard on this thing, and I'm going to move forward. I don't need to know all the details if I don't understand them. I just need to know the main ones, <laughs> and I know the end of this story. And so I'm not as much of a you know, strung along all the time and going up and down and flying around in the wind like James talks about, right? So the other part of righteousness is it means to be living rightly, right living before God, which means basically we're doing his will. We're doing what he's commanded us to do. We're walking in obedience to him. And let me just say this about right living is that that is only achieved by the empowering grace of God, not by your own ability to make great decisions or have some sort of awesome willpower about you. There's an empowering grace from the, to those who walk with God to be able to live rightly. And when we're living rightly, we're able to move forward. And the things that tempt us or threaten to take us off course, we can just continue to push forward in because we're relying on that empowering grace of God to get us through that. It's like Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God, but I do what I do by the grace of God. He's understanding I'm righteous because of God, but I can live righteously because of the grace of God as well. And so that breastplate of righteousness, the other thing that's interesting about that, I love this, it didn't have a back on it. It didn't have a back on it. A soldier is not going to turn and run. He's going to face the battle head on. He's going to stand his... There's no need for protection back here because you won't see that side of me. Right? When he's tempted, when we're tempted, when it's like hell's breaking loose, man... Things are so hard. Look, 
You can't turn back. You can't get scared. You can't think that God's not for you. Those are the moments to press in, move forward, head on, and deal with it, and let God's empowering grace just continue to push you through, get you through, and win those victories one after another after another. We're not meant to turn our back and run from the enemy. He's a formidable foe but, but without God. But with God, he's done. He, can't, he cannot win. And we are not meant to turn our back and get scared or get run or get nervous. We're meant to push forward knowing we have that protection on the front of us and we're not going to go down. Amen. 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 Love that. No back on it, man. The helmet of salvation. So the helmet, you know, the helmet, of course, protects our head, which is a good representation of our mind and our thoughts. And the helmet of salvation, it's like when we have the knowledge of the fact that, that we have Christ and that we are going to be in heaven with him and that he's already paid the price for us and he's living on the inside of us. It's like this eternal hope. Right? It's, it's always good news with God. He always wants the best for us. And for everything we go through in life, the knowledge of that staying secure and knowing that through the battles protects us from the lies of the enemy feeding into our minds and getting us to think anything contrary to what God has already said in his word or what he intends to have happen for us in our lives. You know that on the head, you've got a lot of uh, like orifices, right? You've got your ears, you've got your nose, you've got your, a lot more right here just in this area than anything else in your body. And so the point is, is that a lot of things can get in our minds. The enemy's trying to get in there and feed us lies to get us deceived because that deception ultimately is just lack of truth or a misunderstanding of truth. And that can throw us off. And so the helmet of salvation, as we keep that, it's like we're, we know as we move forward that the lies of the enemy cannot get in. We cannot allow them to penetrate and get us to think anything that's contrary to what we know God says in his word and who he, we know he says that we are and the promises that we have. My belt's falling off. Holy cow. So we have... <laughs> We have an expectation of victory. We have an expectation of victory. In fact, if I could say any one thing to grab hold of today, let me say that. You're going to face all kinds of battles. So important. Have an expectation of victory. Because God has already won the battle. And if we let him steer us through it, guide us through it, and equip us and arm us and strengthen us, we are going to see that victory come to pass and live to fight another battle another day, right? The shield of faith. Now, the warrior's shield protected him from assaults near and far. And he carried this thing around and it could protect from every angle high and low. It actually was really long, so it, it covered all the way down to the feet. But it was also the first thing that was out in front of him. And the shield of faith doesn't matter where you're at in your life, what attack the enemy's throwing at you that 
maybe you just barely see coming, whatever it is, faith has got to be out in front. You, you've got to let your faith be leading everything else. I believe these things that God says. I believe that God is for me. I believe that this thing can't hurt me, you know? And this shield of faith, no matter where we're at or what's going on, it's always there to keep us, to, to keep our defenses ready so that whatever the enemy tries to do in our lives, we're, we're, we're putting a front, we're stopping that before it gets to our person. We're, we're, we're letting those things, they're hitting, but they're hitting before they ever do damage to our inner man, right? And so the, the faith, the shield of faith is always out there. It's always protecting us and always keeping us ready to, to take blows, but not let them harm us, wear us down, or marginalize us for the battle that we're in. And that's what faith does all the time. Let me also say that this, this little strap here, this is the same way the shield worked for the soldiers. They had leather that they would tether to their arm because sometimes they just needed a little extra help holding that shield up. They needed a little added strength to be able to keep the thing moving and swinging the way it needed to instead of just holding the handle. And look, when it comes to our faith, I'm not ashamed to say this, I need a little bit of help from God with my faith. I need him to help me grow in my faith. And so did the people in the Bible. The disciples said to him in, in the book of Luke, they said, Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. They had faith, a measure of it, but they asked, increase our faith. Right? The man that came to Jesus to, to have his son healed. And Jesus said, I, I can heal him. Do you believe? And he said, I, Lord, I believe and in the same breath, he said, help me with my unbelief. So when it comes to our faith, it's our defense, it's our strength, it's out in front of us. But let's just realize and understand that we need a little help from God. We need him to, to help build our faith and strengthen us. He's a part of that process. He created it that way where he's putting his truth on the inside of us and he's elevating our faith as we move along in life. And we need him to do that. And if we can understand that and admit that, that we need a little tethering from God to our faith, then it's, it's something that we can be prayerful about all the time. And as we're, we're, we're relying on our faith to help us in times, we know that we can also call on God to help strengthen that faith through that battle. Genuine faith is only established by God, and genuine faith has the power to do supernatural things. But non-authentic faith is nothing. If it's not anchored in the truth of God, it's, it's nothing. But if it's truth that our faith rests on, it has miracle working power, right? And the last thing is the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Where'd that thing go? There it is. A little different, little different kind of sword here. but So the sword of the Spirit is the striking weapon. Right? This is the one thing of all of those pieces of armor that deal the blow, that launch the assault, that cut into the attack of the enemy and put it down. And the reason the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God 
is because when we declare that word, when we speak that word over our situation and over our lives, listen, let me tell you, this is so important that you get this. And I'm not saying you got to yell it out, although that is actually good to do at times, but just that you're speaking it in your spirit, you know. The word of God says this, and it's like you're striking the enemy where he is, and you're taking him down. Because the word of God is penetrable. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. And it will deal a blow every single time it's spoken in faith by a child of God against anything that the enemy's trying to do. And the sword was, uh, was also used for, for other tasks that the soldier would be doing. I mean, they could cut rope with it. You know, they could use it in the camp. I mean, they did a lot of things with it. So the word of God, don't underestimate even the things that you don't perceive as a real battle in your life that are going on, that the word of God is useful and appropriate and effective and should be operable in your life in those moments and in those times. Because it will, it will create things, it will sever things, it will penetrate things that you need to be able to have that done through and move forward in what God is having for you in those things. A single text of scripture, understood and rightly applied, can destroy any temptation or objection and subdue the most formidable adversary. I love that. I love that. You know, a soldier would never be found in battle without his sword. Never be found anywhere without his sword being in his hand and ready to use it. And the, the other interesting thing is that the swords at that time, you know, they didn't have stainless steel. So if a sword wasn't consistently used, it would rust. It would grow dull. It would be less effective. And we've got to understand the significance of regularly applying the word of God into the real things we're going through in our lives. The real stuff that we're dealing with. The, the word, it's not like the word of God is out here in this part of your life. And then it's, it's great, you know, when you're in church or when you're in your Bible study or whatever. But then you go into the rest of your life and all of a sudden it's not even existent. That's not the way, that's not the way we're to, to live. The word of God is, is meant to consistently be applied and used. That it stays sharp and ready for everything that we have to encounter. And if we're not doing that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to grow rusty. It's going to grow dull. And it's going to become kind of that way in us where it's just dull. And, and we need it to get stirred up. And we need to use it in order to keep it sharp and useful, right? Amen. And so I close with this. At the end of all of these descriptions that Paul goes through about the armor of God, he says, he says this. He says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. So it's just very interesting to me that he bookends on, on each side of the description of the pieces of armor. On the front end, he says you got to be strong in God and you got to put on the whole armor. And he says that twice. He's got to be fully armed, right? You got to put all this on in God. And then he goes through and gives each example and kind of goes into some detail. And then he, at the end, he says, you've got to pray always. 
in this thing. Now, prayer is not one of the weapons. And this is what really is powerful to me, is it just kind of blankets the whole thing. It just sort of, it's like the atmosphere that all of this stays operating in. And prayer is a soldier's greatest form of activity, to be busy about the business of doing. And the Bible even says this is pray without ceasing, right? And, and with all supplication. It doesn't mean we're on our knees all day 24-7. It means that we're just in prayer. We're, we're connected with God. We're seeking His will. We're leaning into Him. We're wanting more of His truth. We're wanting more of Him. And as we move in an atmosphere of prayer like that every day, it's about what do you have for me, God? What's going on today? What do you, you know, want to do in me? What do you, what's, what's going on in these situations? God has something to say about it. He does. He has something to say about everything that's going on in your life. He's not a disconnected God. He's an intimate God. And he wants to be there in every kind of moment that you're in. And, and the way he shows himself to you may be different. Sometimes it may be the still small voice. Maybe sometimes it's just that joy or that peace or that comfort. It's a lot of things. But God, no mistake, wants to be there in everything. And prayer keeps us connected to that. And as we're connected with him, we're armed with the equipment, with the weaponry. We're armed because we're connected, right? And that is the whole thing that Paul's trying to say as he closes this off. And I'm convinced, like I said in the beginning, that every person here today and every person in this entire earth that just receives that truth of Christ can immediately become a fully armed soldier ready for battle can immediately be ready and prepared for the things that the enemy is going to launch against them to take them out in their lives. They're going to grow stronger every day in their faith, obviously, as they move forward. But it's not like you got to go to some boot camp for six months before you're ever going to have a chance of winning a battle. I mean, you're ready, man, when Christ is in you, you know, when you get a hold of this. You're ready and grow stronger every day in your faith as you move forward.